love the Christian life. You know why? It makes us think. We get to learn to be thinkers in this life. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us 72 times to consider something. When Jesus spoke, he often used pictures, making the, the saying true, a picture is worth a thousand words. And he wanted people to look at that picture, usually using something in nature or everyday life, and he wanted them to think about it. Let me ask you, are you a thinker or are you a feeler? Do you think your way through life or do you emote your way? Do you go by your emotions or do you go by a thought life? So talking about pictures, one of the best series of pictures that Jesus gave were pictures of the kingdom of heaven. And today we're going to begin an eight-part series called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. What's it like? Well, we're going to see what Jesus said it was like. In this first message, Jesus shows us that his kingdom, oh, it's not stagnant, it's growing. And he also shows us how it grows. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Here's what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden seeds and all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree. Wow, a whole tree so that the birds of the air come and they nest in its branches. Now, do you think people understood what Jesus was saying? I'd say so. They've seen mustard seeds. They've seen mustard trees. And in those days, the mustard seed, it was the smallest known seed, and it signified something very small, something very insignificant to the human eye. Okay? But this is how God works. He uses small, seemingly insignificant things. Jesus used this example another time when the disciples couldn't drive out a demon out of a man. And he said in Matthew 17, 20, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, they like had faith smaller than that. But if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And what Jesus is saying is, even small faith can get things done. So this parable today of the mustard seed, it's a picture of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's a picture of the gospel beginning in the human heart and then reaching out to many other people with the result that it provides usefulness. Here the tree, where the birds of the air come and they nest in its branches. 
Perhaps it's a reference to Micah chapter 4, verse 1. It will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the people will stream to it. And many nations will come, and they will say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his way. I think it's a picture of the millennial kingdom here. And that we can walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we know that Jesus will rule in the millennial kingdom from Jerusalem, and he will rule in justice and fairness and equity, right? So it seems as though Jesus always had his eye as well on heaven, on the kingdom, and why not? That's where everything is heading to. Did you know, or do you ever think about how all of human history is heading toward the end? It's not cyclical. It's linear. And there is an end to human history. So, it is the story of history that greater things must begin with smaller things. Can one man make a difference? What do you think? Let me give you a little history lesson. We'll get back to the parable. In the mid-1700s, William Wilberforce, he sat in a beautiful garden with the Prime Minister of England. But William couldn't enjoy the beautiful scenery of the garden. His mind was on that blot of slavery in the world. Suddenly, the Prime Minister turned to him and said, Wilberforce, why don't you give a notice of a motion on the slave trade? And you know what happened that day? An idea was sown in his mind. And that idea changed life for hundreds of thousands of people. Small beginnings can have great results. Wilberforce worked tirelessly for the rest of his life to abolish slavery. Now, in his lifetime, He didn't see it come to fruition. But shortly after, laws were passed and slavery was abolished. It started with one man. Small beginnings can have great results. A reformation begins with one person. There was a a man named Telemachus. He was a hermit and a man of God. And he felt called by God to go to Rome. He found his way into the gladiator games and the great arena where the people were 80,000 strong, including many nominal Christians. I guess today they go to the casinos. But in those days, they had a lust for blood, and it provided the entertainment of the day. Telemachus, or some might say Telemachus, he was horrified to see the slaughter of so many people. You know what he did? He jumped from his seat, ran down into the arena, and he stepped in between two gladiators, but they pushed him aside. He got up again, they pushed him aside. He got up again, they pushed him aside. Suddenly, a flash of light, and Telemachus lied on the ground with a sword, a sword run through him. 
and a hush fell over the crowd. And they realized that day a holy man lay dead. Something happened that day in Rome. There never again were any gladiator games. See, the kingdom began with one man, John the Baptist, and then it was turned over to Jesus, and after that, twelve disciples, and then seventy, and then five hundred. And after Peter preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, in Acts 2.41, it tells us, So then, those who had received his word, they were baptized, and that day were added about three thousand souls. Today the gospel has spread all over the world. And many of you that are listening are a part of that. So Jesus tells us something else about the growth of the kingdom. In Matthew thirteen thirty three. he said, The kingdom of heaven, it's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. See, the great thing about Jesus' teaching He drew ideas for his parables from many walks of life, things that people could identify with. Yes, they knew the mustard seed in the mustard tree. They knew the leaven that was used to bake bread. He now brings us into the kitchen of an ordinary house. In Palestine, everyone made their own bread. Leaven was leftover dough from a previous baking. Three pecks of flour was an average amount to feed a large family. Most of the time now, leaven is used to indicate evil. Like in Matthew 16, 6, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, clean out the old leaven. He said in Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And what he's saying is that... the It doesn't take a lot of negative influence to change you. Be careful. It only takes a little. Level 11 speaks of the principle, not just of evil, but really influence. That's what leaven speaks about. Influence. It has a transforming power. It can transform a person positively or it can transform a person negatively. Okay, because leaven is in influence. I want to give you today five categories of transformation. Okay, number one, the individual man, really the individual person. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, who are the unrighteous? Those that are void of the Spirit of God. They have not as yet received Christ as their Savior. And then he, he begins to outline lifestyles of those that are void of God's Spirit. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he said, such were some of you. Such 
were some of you. The transforming power of the gospel has changed these people. Those that fornicated, fornicate no more. Those that had idols, had no more idols. Those that committed adultery, no longer committed adultery. They were no longer effeminate. They got out of homosexuality. It can be done. They stopped stealing. They stopped envying. They stopped drinking. They stopped fighting and swindling. Their lives were transformed. See, the power of the gospel is so strong, it can change any life. I really believe it depends on the person if they want to change. Do they want to change? It only takes a little bit. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Oh, it has a small beginning in your heart. But if you allow it to grow and feed it the things of God and the word of God, it will grow and it will provide an incredible benefit for your life. The function and the power of Christ is to turn men from evil to good. There's another transformation that we find in the Bible, that of women. Ancient Jewish men would pray, Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Why would they pray that? Because in ancient days and in some third world nations, even today, women live their lives in, ex- in seclusion. And they were, they were in the background and sadly treated like second class, second class citizens. But what the gospel did, it brought equality to the genders. It raised up the ladies. Paul said in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. So on nationalities are brought together. There is neither slave nor free. We're brought together. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That when it comes to our relationship with Christ, no one is ahead of someone. No one is greater than someone. The CEO of the company and the guy that sweeps the floor and locks the doors at night, they're on equal ground with Christ. There is no difference. And even James, in his letter, he said, listen, don't show partiality to people in church. Don't show favoritism to the rich guy. And then reject, neglect the poor guy. Give double honor to the to the less honorable, actually. So you see what the gospel has done? It has transformed people's lifestyles. It has transformed the way women are viewed. Thirdly, it has transformed the way people treated the weak and the ill. You know, there was no place in ancient Greek society for the weak and for the sick. There was a man named Thalassius. He was a Christian monk. He founded the first blind asylum. Apollonius a Christian merchant. He founded the first free medical clinic. The first hospital was founded by a Christian lady named Fabiola. See, here's the beauty of Christianity. It was the first faith to be interested in the broken things of life. Look at all these other religions. Where are they when it comes to helping the broken, 
the infirm, the aged. No one can hold a candle to the way of Christ, to Christianity. And if people really believe in evolution and Darwinism, then they would put all the old people out to pasture. They would kill all the sick people. Why? Because that's contrary to survival of the fittest. So there's hypocrisy in the theory of evolution. People that hold on to evolution, you're you're hypocritical when you go to the doctors when you're sick. If you believe in evolution and you're sick, then you know what? You need to go out in the field and lay down. And that's the end of you. Because you're standing against survival of the fittest. But you see, Christianity comes on the scene and says, we want to help you. Your life matters. You have been made in the image of God. And we will do everything we can to help you and treat you with compassion and give you dignity and give you a chance at life. Only Christianity has done that. It has changed the way people see the aged. Ancient society deemed them who provided no contribution to be discarded. Like used up tools. Hey, if they can't contribute, get rid of them. And here comes mustard seed Christianity. And it transforms the life of how the aged were treated. And now we have places where if families can't take care of them, we have places where they can go. That they treat it with dignity, hopefully. And they treat it with respect. Without Christ, we wouldn't have these things. And everything started small. And it grew into this large tree where it provides a wonderful benefit, just like the mustard tree provided a benefit for the birds of the air. And they came and made their nests. Well, today Christianity has provided a benefit for those that seek shelter in Christ. And finally, Christianity changed the lives of children. You know, the backdrop of Christianity was many, many, many broken homes, easy divorce, and neglected children. There was a letter that was found written by a traveling man to his pregnant wife back in the first century. And it says, Alice, if you bear a child, if he is a boy, let it live. If it is a girl, throw it out. This was the mindset of many of the Greeks in the first century until Christianity came along. For those who debate the virtue of Christianity, may they see that there is nothing in human history so unanswerable and demonstrable as the transforming power of the gospel and of Christ on the individual and the whole life of society. And again, those who promote abortion as a convenience You notice it's only done by those who are not aborted. That I say to someone, if you really promote abortion, well, I'm going to be graphic right now. Why don't you abort yourself? (laughs) Make room for those that want to live. Because there's so much hypocrisy in this world. It's overcome with it. 
That's why the kingdom of God is, you know what? The kingdom of God is the stopgap to evil in this world. And like leaven, it works slowly, consistently, sometimes quietly, but it's making a difference. And you know what? You are that leaven. See yourself as God's leaven. Influencing, influencing others, your, the sphere of people that are around you. Just, just like leaven influenced the dough. And it caused the dough to rise, right? It rose to a higher level. You know, as followers of Christ, we too are leaven. And our, our ministry is to cause people to rise to a higher level to value life, to value the life of the women, to value the life of the child, to value the life of the aged and of the infirm, to value the life of all individuals. For who values life more than followers of Christ? Who values life more? I think none do. And we see even, sadly, those that have taken the Hippocratic Oath to preserve life, our medical field, our doctors and who have taken that oath to preserve life have now transgressed that oath and killed babies and taken the lives of the aged. We're, that oath means nothing to them. But you will never find a doctor that follows Christ to follow in those footsteps. You'll never find one if he's truly a follower of Christ. And so it is with you that if you are truly a follower of Christ, you will preserve everything that God has established and everything that God stands for. You will preserve it and you will be like that seed that mustard seed, that little by little by little by little continues to grow. Let me ask you, are you growing? Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Because when you do, oh, it's life-changing. Slowly. I mean, I look at my life. My life changes about as fast as molasses going uphill (laughs) in the winter. But it's changing. I wish it would change faster, but it's changing. There's always change. See, your life is leaven and influence. You know, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because both of them are influencers. Wine influences us to to go one way to do bad things. But the Spirit influences us to do good things, eternal things. So there's always an influence that's involved in our life. We're always being influenced, and we're always influencing others. So sometimes we have to take a step back and say, okay, what am I allowing to influence me? Is the influence coming from the world? Is the influence coming from God? And then, after that, how am I influencing people? Am I influencing them 
in a positive light? Or am I influencing them in a negative light, in a negative way? Am I helping to bring people to the light? Bring people to Christ. Encourage the believer, reach out to the non-believer and show them that there is a better way. Truly, a better way. And Satan blinds the minds of those that don't believe. But the glorious gospel is there, and God wants to transform us and bring us into his marvelous light. And that's why Christ is always the issue. He's always the issue. Now, next time we're together, we're going to talk about good people and bad people. What makes somebody good? What makes somebody bad? And why are they considered one way or the other? What do you think? Why are they considered either good or bad? Well, Jesus has a parable. And in that parable, he's going to let us know. See, the the great things about Jesus' teachings, right? When he gives a parable and he's done teaching, we walk outside and we see it right before us. We see it in the trees. We see it in the farmer sowing seed. We see it in the children playing in the marketplace. We see it in the treasure hid in the field. We see it when we look at a pearl. Oh, the most expensive pearl we've ever seen. So many ways to see the teachings of Jesus. So we don't want to be blinded. Go outside and look around. And it's all around us. I think it's so important that we're reminded that we are the leaven of the world. Jesus said you're the light of the world. That's true, too. And we're also the leaven of the world. The positive influence. You know, when the, when the Holy Spirit takes the church out of the world in the tribulation, what do you think it's going to be like down here? <laughs> Ain't going to be good. Not going to be good. That's why it's called the Great Tribulation. The Restrainer. The church is taken out of the way, and then it becomes real chaotic. That's why right now we have an opportunity to make our influence felt for the kingdom of God. Small beginnings, but they have a great result. Okay? Think about that. Thanks for coming along. Go to the Hope Club podcast. Hear this again. Sometimes we need to hear a message two or three times to really get it all and understand it and then we can make application so thanks for coming along and we'll see you here next time